and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of a polystyrene towel rack. Oh my god, that's tragic. There's a lot of stuff to talk about today, mate. There There's is. There's a lot of stuff. It's been another It's been another week of interesting things. I, I don't know if you were a little apprehensive, but early March, it was like there was nothing happening. And then all of a sudden, late March, early April, everything is happening. Everything. All of a sudden, like the weather is also happening, which oh, is great. Every weather. We- <laughs> every we- weather weather had- is the most appropriate word for it. Yeah, exactly. Do we want to get the Six Nations talk out of the way at the yeah, top of the well. top of the just just so it's just so it's done as well? Might as well. Um, mate, what was you, what 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 has happened in the Six Nations? Well, well, the well, the women's Six Nations kicking off later today, which I'm really excited to start oh, okay, to watch. Cool. Actually, yeah, so that's 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 the one that I am. I'm genuinely, and also on the app. I don't know if you. I know you weren't into the fantasy oh, yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're they've done this year. They're doing. I don't know if they did it last year or previous years, but they're doing fantasy Six Nations women's team, which I'm really excited for. Yeah. Uh, and it's being shown on iPlayer, so huge step forward for the game and and for Scottish rugby. That, I'm that so is excited. Really good. For. And speaking of Scottish rugby, mm. Hamish Watson, exactly being named Player of the Tournament. So I mean, if we're amazing. if if we're being real here, that basically means that we've won. Our guy won. Sorry, I just took a big sip of coffee. Our guy won. Yeah. Our guy. Our, our, <laughs> yeah, our guy exactly. won. Yeah, Louis, but it Louis, feels Louis if... Reese who. It feel it feels better this way than you know when your movie makes more at the cinema box office and you're like <laughs> I won my movie won this feels a bit better because this is like watching your movie you know shoulder charge some folk well you know he doesn't really do that does he but he, you know he he really digs deep and really wrestles for it. he is an incredible player yeah. absolutely well deserved and I think Louis Louis Samet I think he was amazing when he started. I think he got a little quiet his last couple of games. Um, I think mainly that's because I think, um, France especially shut him down. Well, also, quite a also lot. hype, mad hype. Like he's still a yeah. young, he's still a young guy, and mm. he's now up on that platform as yeah. one of you know the players to look out for in the Welsh national squad. And that's you know that's no mean feat. And mm, mm. many congratulations to him. But he might. He might have a few niggling sort of nerve things around that. Yeah, I would. Suspect. Well, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. I mean, it was it was uh, you know star-studded wingers at left, right, and centre. Obviously, Van der Merwe being the top try scorer. He's very much in the contest. I mean, the back the backdrop of a lot of this is the line selection, which yeah. we're hotly anticipating. And I I think it's one of these things. You know, when it's like when you look up tables on Amazon, or you're like, oh, I'm thinking about a new table, and then everything on Facebook's like, hey, do you want another table? Yeah. Here, any more tables? What about a table with this on? And you're like, fuck off with it. Genuinely, it's like, if you ever want to piss someone off, take their phone for a few minutes and search like an obscure thing that's like got an, like, what you know, remember selfie sticks a while ago? Oh, yeah. Remember how, remember how you could just buy <laughs> selfie sticks on every single website yeah, yeah, all you got to do wrong. is click click okay on the cookies for a couple of these websites and you've basically doomed someone's social media account into eternity but i'm having that instance where That's every dark, it's my <laughs> mate honestly that oh that and here's a great one for all of you at home and steal someone's phone say to it i can't say i can't say the words because if i say you know the s hey yeah. my phone's gonna start dinging up oh, fuck oh, it yeah, hey yeah. siri yeah it's gonna do it there we go i didn't do it nice yeah. so if you say that and then you say set alarm for 3 a.m you're welcome yeah absolutely unfortunately you can't do <laughs> I'll that do to that me. to your phone you can't, you, you can't do it to have me you disabled over... siri have you no 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 i've not disabled um that but okay <laughs> see what i did there see what i did there i've not disabled that but 
the only place your voice is coming out from at the moment is my headphones and my phone can't Oh, no, I'm that. talking about when I see you in person. When I see you in oh. person, I wrestle you to the ground because I've not seen you in so long. Oh. I steal your phone. That's cute. Thanks. I know. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's not. I'm just going to deceive you. It's not. I'm going to put oh, okay. cookies. I'm going to enable cookies for tables. And anyway, the point I was trying to make was I've seen so many rampant speculations of the Lions tour. Who's going to get picked? Everyone's, everyone's Lawrence Delalio's Lions tour. I'm like, Get to. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and it's really interesting because I and I'm not getting triggered by much, but as a Scottish rugby fan, there's only one thing that triggers me, which is when someone puts more English than Scots in their Lions tour. Yeah, it, it really, you know, if I hear Tom Curry is better than Hamish Watson once more, I just, in fact, we've Sorry, got the proof who, now. Who's Tom Curry? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, re- it really does it, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Like Maratoji, fine, okay, fine. You got him, Alan and Jones, fine. They're your, they're your front. Anyway, we, we can, we can stop. We can move on. Yeah, why don't um, we? But, 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 oh man, I, I'm, I'm so delighted for Hamish Watson. It's a brilliant time for Scottish rugby. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. So, Alex, this week we've got loads of information. This week we've got a, another double feature. Yeah, but before we do that, do you want to see what I've mm-hmm. got? Oh, what have you got? What have you got up in your? It's a bit of housekeeping. What's this? Oh, you got a plunger are you pressing coffee oh so he's got a nice cafetiere oh, and inside of it one. he's got some he's this? got some hot that's, he's got some hot mud three, why is it green that's three cups it's not green that's copper three. that's copper <laughs> you've got an old laptop mate no i said in green it said your coffee is green what is that oh do you hear that? oh you can hear that Ooh. jesus christ that's really satisfying that Ooh. Lovely. We are starting. Oh, whilst you're... We are starting half an hour earlier this morning, which is why I well, do need a little bit of uh, a little, little bit of pick me up. Well, whilst Alex is doing the pick me up, I'm going to tell you some of the stuff that we've got this week because we obviously have another double feature. We do. We we're very excited to get into on the on the run up to the Oscars 2021. We that have all important uh, ceremony that tells us what's <laughs> good and what's not. We, exactly. We've also got some amazing cast announcements. Uh, we, yes, we, we've got some really, we've got some really, really cool stuff coming up this week. I'm really excited to talk a little bit about Netflix's new acquisition, which we'll spoil for a little bit later. Fabulous. And then you've got some DC news as well. Oh, yeah. So packed show. But before we get into any of that, it's worthwhile saying up top, Alex, that we are a music and movies podcast. Woo-hoo. And each week we will talk to you about movies that are arguably 80 years apart from being made from each other, but are probably around about the similar sort of context, the similar sort of people involved, the similar sort of story. But we will talk mostly about the music of one and the movie of the other. I guess that's fair because we're probably talking most about the movie of one and the music that accompanies the other because I'm really, really keen to get into it. It's it's Mank, isn't it, of course, this week? And Um, and prefaced... By Citizen Kane, amazing, amazing. Mate, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to start us off? Because where did we get to with this? Why did we choose this? Why did we have to watch both well, of do these? You know what, do you know what I found so interesting is a couple of weeks ago we did the coming to Americas, didn't <laughs> we? We chose, we, chose, we actively. Uh, we will never live that down. No, we, we won't. Uh, two, two, two semi-pro movie reviewers, and we decided to turn down watching Citizen Kane. We did. We absolutely did. <laughs> But there was a reason for that. There was a reason for that. Do you not feel that Citizen Kane is just one of those movies that's so ingrained in the culture, you almost feel intimidated to watch it? And not yeah. only and not only as an audience member, but for you and me, as people that make content about movies 
and voice our opinions and stuff to have something that was made in 1941 that you know all all the movie critics say is in is one of the if not the greatest film ever made you kind of go god damn it i mean i'm kind of enjoying my ignorance of not knowing this movie at the moment because this was the first time i watched it i've not seen i'd not seen it before so I have seen bits of this movie. Interesting. Um, I, How did that seen, come about? Seen, yeah, it was on TV once, and I I remember watching it for a bit in a hotel room, but I'd missed the start. And if you if you miss parts of this movie, you're you're, you're kind of you are kind of done. Are, like yeah, it doesn't can. hold your hand. It's a very also. How old were you? Oh no, recently, oh, right, relatively okay, recently. Yeah, yeah. So you know, before before COVID, when I was able to travel and stuff in hotel rooms and things like this, it's been on TVs and film channels, and it's like, oh, I'll, I'll sit and watch Citizen Kane for a bit. And you're yeah. like, I've not got a fucking clue what's happening right now. Yeah, it's mental. Um, the na because the narrative is the narrative of both Mank and Citizen Kane is almost identical, really. Yeah. If we if we if we, if we think about it by design, of course. Now. I think the the most obvious difference between Citizen Kane and Mank is where the focus looks, because the focus of Citizen Kane obviously very much is about the 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 story of um, Charles Foster Kane and the and the fortunes and and the meaning of Rosebud, which will we'll probably well I think we're going to do a, a Citizen Kane review first and then yeah, Mank. Yeah, yeah. But what I loved so much about Mank was Mank. I mean, it take eighty years, as we've said, to actually tell this story. But eighty years on, we're actually for the first time seeing the interpretation of what might have been happening behind the screen. Yeah, and actually who who directly inspired the character of Charles yes. Foster Kane. Which and I, and at I, the time yeah. when I was watching well, obviously I watched Citizen Kane first, mm-hmm. I didn't really get the sense that it was about one person in particular. But then of course I I would have no idea who the major players would be in that world in the night in the 1930s well that well that's it isn't it it's 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 the it's the idea um that it is hearst and and hearst is the you know the the real the the person is it's it's right is it Rand, william randolph hearst yeah that's it, the is one the, is the name yeah so so there, there's there's so much interesting to this because actually i think us watching Citizen, as we both said, watching Citizen King now and not having watched it for the last eighty years, we're watching it with this as a double feature back to back through a totally different lens. Yeah, and I think, I think in some ways we've kind of spoiled it for ourselves because we haven't had the chance. I mean, personally, I haven't had the chance for Citizen King to properly set in because yeah, I watched Citizen yeah. King and then two days later I watched Mank, but. For the millions and millions of people and all the reviewers, as you've said, that have said Citizen Kane is the best film of all time, yeah, they've not really had the opportunity to delve into, uh, to delve into, you know, the, the the kind of the movers and shakers behind the screen. And so, I th- I wouldn't recommend anyone do this. Actually, I don't, that was that was oh, one of the first points watch. I made to watch both of these back to back. Okay, I mean maybe I maybe recommend. Well, I mean unless they they've already seen Citizen Kane, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah of yeah. course, yeah, yeah. But if it's the first time watching Citizen Kane, I would say don't. But but conversely, you said something interesting, which was you need to watch Citizen Kane to watch Mank, otherwise it makes no sense. You absolutely do, and it's not that it makes no sense. I think I think Mank does work in itself as a biographical feature about this Hollywood screenwriter who was you know mm. plagued by alcoholism and many many other things and it was told in a very interesting way 
yeah using a lot of different narrative structures and technical camera work which people who have seen citizen kane will know as oh that's directly pastiching citizen kane but what we've got to remember is hordes and hordes and hordes of other movies since then have used those techniques so i i don't i really don't think that watching mank on its own without seeing citizen kane will be that alien an experience but there will be a lot of citizen kane references yes and some of the dialogue and things like that that will pass over your head so we decided that we're going to do and we were going to do our full music and movie review of mank of course which is which is kind of the feature this week yeah. but we we will kind of give our our 15 minutes on citizen kane now the question that everyone asks around citizen kane it's the first word that's said in the film and it's almost the last thing we see on screen is rosebud yeah. and rosebud is one of these it's almost in the zeitgeist of words that have associations and stuff, and it's bled through into multiple things. One of the first examples I ever had of Rosebud, and I'm sure you maybe think of this, is it's a Sims cheat. I don't know if you remember no, that. No, I it's don't like remember the Sim, that. It's the Sims Infinite Money cheat, which I've always thought is so clever because the meaning of Rosebud being the innocence of a child and how you just wanted to go back to that one point before everything changed, before your life started to spiral and take the turns that it did. He kind of holds everything back to that outside in the snow that one day before he was taken away in the sled. And I just, and so when I thought of it from the context that I've always thought Rosebud was, was the infinite money cheat, which is quite interesting with Sims because the the idea being that, yeah, yeah, which is, or it's not infinite money, but it's a lot. You get, you get given, yeah, a lot of money for the character Sims and then you can create your life and stuff, which I always thought was quite a, quite a clever little homage from the the creators of Sims. Yeah. I loved Sims. Sims Unleashed. What a game. What a game. But the, the, you also said something interesting there, which is you don't have to have watched Mank because there's so many other things, uh, Citizen Kane to watch Mike, because there's so many other things that take inspiration from that era of cinema and yeah. stuff. But I would also say that there's so many things. I mean, things like The Simpsons, as an example. Do you know how many times The Simpsons has referenced Citizen Kane? I have no I, idea. You know, I, I really mate, don't. It's, it's probably in, in the double figures, because the amount of times I've seen... So the, Monty the, the Burns song, is probably... Exactly yeah. the song, yeah, the song when you know, there is a man, you know, and I was, I things like that you recognise things like the 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 exterior shots of Charles Foster Kane's Florida paradise, yeah. things like that have always been um, have been joked th- through throughout you know throughout history and stuff, and even the narrative and the way that they tell the story was completely revolutionary for that time. You know, you, you kind of, for a large part, a lot of the films of that era were being told in a in a very um, beginning, middle, end order. But yeah. by chopping it up and telling it in u- unusual different ways w- was just was just absolutely fantastic. And then some of the some of the off ground techniques which are still being used today, like the 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 the, the scene where Charles Foster Kane is talking to the crowds and he's talking to the rallies and stuff. That's all paper people paper cutouts yeah with little holes through them and they're just shaking them because it looks like they're but you but you don't believe it no um you you know you you believe that it is a crowd that are following him and stuff um yeah i, I it just it's just amazing yeah isn't it? huge it's just, technical achievement of its time it, you know i was watching it and thinking i mean i don't know how many movies you've watched from the 1940s and this is like right yeah. this is the beginning of the 1940s as well this isn't even yeah, like yeah, yeah this isn't even like 48 49 this is 41 so let's 
call it what it is, a kind of 30s movie. Well, we're, t- we're watching the rise to power of Hitler is happening in the background. Yeah, you know, I know, this. exactly. Like, that's exactly, and we, we, at this point, we don't even have the full, you know, context of Nazi Germany in 1941. No, 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 no just, you're right, just, we don't. It's yeah. just starting, and it, it, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy, but... It, especially with all the newspaper reels that are spinning at the beginning of the movie that gives you, it's almost like a cinematic overture where you see his whole life in newspaper format. And he's, there's a scene where he's actually with Hitler and it it does a good job of keeping that open end, like open-ended saying, this is, this might be bad and all that. It's, It's really interesting. But what I, what I find really interesting about the character, and I think this is that the hindsight of the last 80 years has really hammered this home, is the idea of who who is the king of America? Mm. Mm. Like who is that who is that person? Yeah. Because yeah. it's not the president. It's no. not the president of the United States. Well, actually, do you know what? I reckon looking back on the Trump era, I reckon Donald Trump would be Charles Foster Kane. Yeah. Of this period in human history. But you look yeah. but then you look back and there's all these characters. Going back one of the biggest examples I can give is Michael Jackson. Mm, mm. You know, Michael Jackson was the biggest person in the music industry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a very, very, very long time. Mm. And he was a bit weird some people said he was he was amazing and some people said he was like pure evil incarnate yeah well obviously being accused of being a pedophile for a large part yeah no absolutely 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 you know there's there's multiple stories on on each side of the coin but he also had his wonderland as well in california with his um his because he had more money than God, seemingly, and he didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with it. Just the, the parallels after this movie has been made are really quite staggering. And yeah. that person, Michael Jackson, having the influence that he did over generations of people with his music mm. afforded him that wealth and influence and i just i'm fascinated by the parallels of that because obviously america is it's not like britain in that we do literally have a monarch yeah you know they are quote-unquote full democracy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's always someone in control and it's yeah, not the exactly. pre- and it's not the president and i think no. charles foster kane was that because very early in his in, in his career when he was when he's depicted as a newspaper magnate, he the, there's whole scenes of him uh, talking about manipulating the narrative in order to send America to war with Spain. Yeah. So yeah. he did that. He yeah. he manipulated the court of public opinion mm-hmm. to start an American war. So he's but it, but, he's like the king. But it shows the genius of Orson Welles and Mank and Herwin Mankiewicz because they they obviously are writing this around the character. But the backdrop of of very cleverly transitioning stuff that's happened that Hearst is doing, you know, we obviously the backdrop of Mank being Hearst and MGM putting the smear campaign against um, 
against Upton, I forget his surname, who was who was the who was the previous screenwriter, who was actually played by Upton Sinclair. Ironically, he was played by Bill Nye, yeah. the, the the science guy in that, <laughs> which was great. And and they were sort of using that as a as a, a a case in point. You know, you're saying these people are the powerful people. They have access to being able to. You've got someone who is the newspaper who can generate stories. You've got someone who can create movies and smear campaigns. This is why Upton Sinclair didn't win the governor's race for California yeah. that year, and they backed the other one. But but you're entirely right. Do you know another thing that reminds me of is the <laughs> we so <laughs> this is a bit of a this is a bit of a tangent, but stay with me. One of the we we, we often talk about well, who are the best James Bond villains? Who are the oh, yeah. villains that really stick with you? And obviously, we everyone thinks of your Jaws, as everyone thinks of your your Eric Goldfingers, um, you you know, dare say even your Blofelds, who are the the, the over dominating the over sort of people. But there's never a real sense of believability with a lot of these characters. We know that they're created because there's a fictitious environment. There's a there's a, a an overindulging USSR presence, and it's that omnipotent power, and the, the chess pieces be moving behind the curtains, yeah. so to speak. But there's a character in one of the later films in Tomorrow Never Dies called Elliot Carver. Ah, uh, I who, thought you were maybe thinking of him. Yeah. So so often. For for a large part of my young career, a huge James Bond fan, and I loved Tomorrow Never Dies particularly, mainly because it was one of the... I mean, when I really fell in love with James Bond, I think Tomorrow Never Dies was the newest one, right? Because that was between that and World yeah. Is Not Enough. I remember seeing World Is Not Enough in the cinema. I don't... I wasn't old enough to see Tomorrow Never Dies. So that was, for a large part, that was the one that I had on VHF as the, uh, VHS as the newest one. And for years afterwards, it was getting slated because everyone's saying, Elliot Carver's such a terrible villain. Imagine being in charge of a newspaper and you're a villain. And you and you look at it now and what you're talking about with Donald Trump being the president. But the reason why he was more powerful was because he could control the narrative. He had a platform to manipulate. Yeah. And you think, actually, how terrifying someone like an Elliot Carver would be. I mean, could you imagine if there was someone who... You know, dare I say, imagine, Alex, potentially imagine if newspapers had a hidden agenda and how they word their stories, yes. mate. Could you imagine potentially if that yes. was the case? And then if what news if media one, were not true. And then it, what happens if one of those big media conglomerates built a giant drill? <laughs> oh, the giant drill. I do like that film, though. Yeah. I do like the I do like this, the BMW car when it oh, crashes no, through it. No. That's great. Imagine no, no, if no. imagine if that happened. Look, imagine that if he's Oh, I don't care Q, how cool. At the I don't oh. care how cool a remote control car is. If it's in a James 10. Bond movie and it's not an Aston Martin, it's wrong. It's brilliant. It's really—he's in the back seat and he's driving it around. He could—he could do what he wanted with that car. It's—it's it's an RV BMW, mate. I did very much like how you returned it to the rental company, though. Yeah, he did. He's like that. You are. There you are. Back you go. Drive it off the roof. It's because he doesn't want that filth. He's like, get this filth out of my sight. Absolutely. Get this filth out of my sight. <laughs> Q's still working there. How did they? How did they put Q in that rental company undercover? Do you think he had to like do a couple of shifts first so that he knew the kind of? Remember how Q meets him in the yeah, airport? I, I think it's in Frankfurt, and he's like, oh, Jim, signing up for a rental. I just a picture like he had to like the, the staff, the management staff, were like that. I know you're. I know you're new, but we and you, you know you, you and yourself are an old. You know, an old. I don't think he. I don't think he did. I don't think he did work there. I think, I think he did. I think, I think he, he had to do saw. A of I think he saw James Bond um, coming, and he'd been sitting there for a while because you know yeah. James Bond was taking his time because he's a smarmy yeah. git, and he was just yeah. like, right, he's not the real spy. And he's we, like, we I'm gonna, I'm now. gonna, I'm gonna play a little joke on him. I'm gonna, right, I need myself a brightly coloured blazer. <laughs> 
Somebody get a spur me of the moment a thing. brightly colored blazer. <laughs> That's what happens. I like the idea. I do like the idea as well that that James Bond isn't. Have you have you heard this theory? He's not actually the spy. He's just the he's the one creating all the distractions whilst the real spies are moving in and being espionage oh, and that. doing all the actual stuff. I love it so much, and I love it that Q's in on it. It's just these two. No, no, no. Do you know what? I want somebody to justify that in every single scene, scene in every single yeah, scene. Exactly. And the thing, and the one that I, I'm sure there are hordes of examples throughout all the movies, but the one that's springing to mind is justify to me. That there is another spy in the hydrogen hotel that's blowing up in Peru in Quantum of Solace. At, oh yeah, at the yeah, end there, yeah. justifies yeah. me that there's another one just slinking around in there. There's another spy in the boot of the Lotus Esprit when it falls into the ocean oh, I see. and starts. Bloop, 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 bloop. Uh, speaking of spies, Alex, sorry to take us away on a tangent. Throughout the production of Citizen Kane, Orson Welles had problems with various film executives not respecting his contract stipulation of non-interference. And actually, several spies arrived on set to report what they saw to the executives. I mean, did you ever look at what was in that contract? I mean, not the physical contract, obviously, but like, you know, the bullet points of what he well, actually just... managed to sign for that. No, it's what, what, no. Is it really complete autonomy? Is it? Yeah. Well, he he did have total control, yeah. didn't he, of the whole thing? I mean, that's the first thing that you see when when Mank flares up. It's how much control he RKO actually gave him. Yeah. Um, but it's madness. But, no, but, but it's man. It would never. It didn't happen before, and it will mm. never happen again. It's crazy. No. No, not even not even if the film has to get bloody remade with you know four years apart and uh, and it's a four hour cut of the the previous movie. Even then, there's not total control, is no, there? No, no, of course not. <laughs> Apparently, when executives would sometimes uh, arrive on the set unannounced, the entire cast and crew suddenly started to play softball until they left, which I think is brilliant. That's I just think that's I just think that's amazing how you've got this guy who's got total control and he's going. If you see someone you don't recognise. A bat and a couple of balls up there. Just start batting it around. I'm just picturing just, you know, some of those iconic sequences in Citizen Kane. You know, with they're outside in the snow, the outside set. You've yeah. got Rosebud the sled there. And then just before take, they're coming, they're coming. Everyone's on first base. Everyone's just batting balls Absolutely. around. I just, think, I just think it's mad. I, and, you know, the, the, thing, the thing with the total control is you can't argue... Now, <laughs> that when a film is bad, if a studio has interfered, if the studios are... I mean, this is the earliest example of studios actually infringing on the spaces and snooping around and looking stuff. And then you have examples of um, films by committee nowadays. Like, this is the earliest example where it's like, no, give a director full vision and look look at the legacy yeah. that it creates. Like, that's, like, that's the, oh, the you're, outcome. You're so right. You're so right. And there's such an interesting conversation to be had about that because you know we should be under no illusions hollywood is a business and they mm, want bums and mm. seats they want tickets sold nowadays mm. they want blu-rays <laughs> they want blu-rays sold they want yeah. merchandise sold they want fluffy toys they want all of it and there has to be decisions made above the artistic level to facilitate mm. those financial gains it's it's such an interesting balance yeah, it's such an interesting balance to me because you know we've we've spent forever on this podcast, you know, bashing cookie cutter, um, studio interference bullshit, and the biggest examples in recent memory have all actually most of them have been Warner Brothers, yeah. um, 
nonsense. And Warner Brothers get a battering in Mank as well. There's a lot. Of, absolutely. Which, which but I it, thought was but quite funny. You know what I was thinking of? Obviously, this is uh, a little a little tangent back to uh, Justice League. Okay, here we go. There you, no, go. you know what I was thinking though is is that point of yeah, you should you should just let directors do what they want and do all that and blah 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 blah. Mm, mm. And then I thought. Well, let's play devil's advocate here. How many decisions do you think are prevalent in modern movies that have been made by producer committee that are mm-hmm. actually really good decisions? Because I reckon there's actually a lot of them. I yes, reckon yes, there, yes. I, there is so, 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 so many of them. Yeah. And you will just never hear about it because... Yeah. Obviously, it's good. So if it's good, then, you know. Well, it's like anything. It's like the police, isn't it, nowadays? You know, yeah. how many... They never got awarded when they do something well. But when they do something bad, you know, it's everyone's on. It's like it's like any... It's like anything that you can't... When you can't see the bounds of that power, when you can't see all the small decisions that are being made, you, you glorify the good... Or you glorify the one or two good examples where that happens. And you can shamelessly hound the bad examples yeah. until we get what we want. I want to, I mean, with Citizen Kane, I kind of want to start talking around the the trivia and the information in the backdrop of what was happening there. So on the night of the movie, when actually Citizen Kane opened uh, in San Francisco, Orson Welles, which, to your previous point, it was a flop when it actually did open apparently it was a it was a it was a critic it was a financial failure yeah the movie for for so many years and even critically it wasn't particularly i mean it, it did win the oscar for best picture well, and, nominated, and nominated for, for lots of other categories. nominated for about nine yeah, yeah nine other awards i think it was only only one one of them and neither of them obviously were there to pick it up and they they do that little homage at the end of mank which i thought was really really nice but uh, on the opening night in san francisco orson wells actually found himself alone with william randolph hertz in an elevator at the city's fairmont hotel aware that his father and hearst were friends wells extended an invitation to the magnet to attend the film's premiere hearst turned down the offer oh. as he, as he was about to exit the elevator at his floor and Welsh remarked Charles Foster Kane would have accepted oh, which is which Snap. is just wonderful it's just oh. wonderful that, and, you have to admire we'll, the cojones on this guy on Orson Welles my Orson Welles my exactly because yeah. how old was he when he made this movie still well, in so, his so, 20s they they talk of him as the wonderkin, and there's another character in in or another real person who they talk of a wonderkin as well, and we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Do we want to go through Mank, mate? Do we want to do we want to give it a start? Because I think we've talked around Citizen Kane, and I think yeah, we'll probably I mean, be we'll, jumping, we'll end up we'll end up dipping dipping back into Citizen yeah. Kane, no doubt. Yeah. Okay, so again, we 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 we've danced around it, but that previous fact. Let, let's let's go into the fact that Mank is made with one assumption. It assumes one thing, and it takes that narrative forward, which is that Randolph Hertz is Charles Foster King. Yeah. And when you make that assumption, the movie makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's that's something that... That and the fact that, you know, obviously the, the title role at the start, in 1940, Orson Welles was given total control with RKO Pictures Association. And, and, and even the title cards and how it shows up, I just thought was... I thought it was a really, really great start. Yeah, it's really in- interesting. Right at the beginning of Mank, you really did get a sense of um, we're we're making this as a 
homage to the writer and the movie yeah of citizen kane there was one small annoyance for me mm-hmm. that i don't think you're gonna find annoying but i found it a little bit annoying was the fact that it was widescreen yeah i was a I bit disappointed this, yeah. about that and i think yeah. maybe i think maybe i wouldn't have noticed if it wasn't for justice league yeah. um, because obviously it, that was a... in four by three aspect ratio and obviously citizen kane so it was man yeah, citizen, citizen, kane, citizen sorry, yeah. kane was also yeah. in four by three aspect ratio and i did think to myself was that because they wanted to put it in imax at the time <laughs> yeah m- m- must have yeah, been okay, well, it, no, it, it was it was that age-old argument it was like nope you get more depth and taller pictures <laughs> with a four by three that whole nonsense yeah. i was spewing last week which i stand yeah, yeah. by i will lie yeah, i will yeah, yeah. lie on that bed but i did find it quite interesting that the sound design and the way it was shot and the way it was made was all of the time, but it was presented in a in a modern, modern in day. a modern widescreen yep. aspect ratio. And I just thought, yep. why not go all the way? And I think you know, even ourselves. I, I mean, I'm not going to talk for you, but like, it's not my first choice for putting something to go for something to put on mm. an old movie. Mm. Mm. And if I actually asked myself those questions, I, I would probably, I'd probably struggle to find an excuse not to watch something other than ah, oh, it's old and I can't really be bothered. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Well, I mean, there's a couple of examples. You know, like you're obviously singing in the rain or any of your old West trilogy. I mean, the one that springs to mind from this era alone is It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I mean, that is a movie that my god, that movie stands up. Yeah. Everything about that movie is still totally, I mean, totally relevant and totally just watchable. Yeah. That's one of these movies that's that's. And and that I era. would now add Citizen Kane to that list because there's a mm. very interesting question that I wish I asked. Right up top Go was it. now that this movie Citizen Kane. I knew we'd be delving back into Citizen Kane. <laughs> now that we've both watched this movie start to finish for the first time, we're in our mid to late twenties. Mm. Is this one of the best movies ever made? Uh, look, I, look I, it, it's known as it. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna be flying the flight. It's the same thing with. It's the same thing with. Um, it's like Apocalypse Now. Everyone says the same thing. Is that one of the best movies ever made? Yeah. Uh, I can see why people think that. I can see why people think Citizen Kane is one of the best movies ever made. Exactly. I think that's the important thing. I think I don't. I think that's the important personally thing. Personally, think it. But then that's a taste thing. But then that's a mm, taste thing, yeah, and that's taste. what yeah, makes yeah. it really, really great art. Yes. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, say what you want about Citizen Kane. I will absolutely hear any arguments for. Oh, this is a bit like boring, and it's not that. Mm. It's not that interesting, and because we've had so much eras of cinema since then. There's been mm. so much that has been inspired by it that a inspired lot of it, by it, of a course, lot of it is yeah. not that fresh. But can you yeah. imagine what this would have been like when it came out? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Completely, exactly. Changed, completely changing the game in every sense, technically, narratively. Um, the scoring, let's, you know, mm-hmm. the music, the first Hollywood score by Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Amazing. Well, let's talk about some homages in the past. Now, we have David Fincher. We have the return to the podcast and to uh, David Fincher's films of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, featured um, recently in, in Soul. In Soul. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, mm-hmm. also nominated for Best Original Score. So nominated yeah. in the same category twice. Yeah, that it's amazing. 
that's impressive. Well, I mean, so so, Trent, so these two guys, Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor, and obviously with David Fincher, they won the Oscar in 2010 with Social Network, or was it 2011 Oscars with Social Network? Yeah. It, so almost is there a repeating of history happening here? And you talk of the music. I mean, we have that opening track, that Welcome to Victorville. It's, it's a homage to the style of music that was indicative of the 40s and the 50s and you know this is parts of the 30s certainly yeah, yeah i think but they, it's I think, a grander they sound call it the roaring 40s is that what the roaring 40s the, the... Well, no it was the roaring 20s i think was is the it? and it's the yeah, what do they call the 40s I don't know the, the fighting forties, the, the 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 swinging sixties, mate. What swinging sixties? The coked up eighties. Absolutely. <laughs> what? What do you think they're going to call the tens? Probably the, the social network. The mildly interesting tens. Mildly yeah. interesting tens. I don't know. But some, but some, but the music is. I think it's grander, and I've got loads of tracks that I want to talk about. Um, yeah, it very much takes I, the sound, the the sound inspiration from you know that kind of Glenn Gould big band sound. Mm, yes, yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah. Yes, it does. And I've got I've got two examples specifically where they do that. I don't want to jump to them yet, but we'll get back to it. Um, one of the tracks that I I loved, which really caught me, was Cowboys and Indians, and that's when Mank first meets Marion on the set in Hollywood, and we also just after we have the first meeting between Hank and Hertz. But it's an amazing panning shot of Marion as the actress up on the tower being captured by, obviously, the Indians. And they're, I love it how the, it pans to the Indians and they're all just, like, on the deck chairs, like, yeah, we don't give a yeah. shit. And then the cowboys are running in over the hill as the camera pans down. And it's an amazing piece of music. It's it's It just takes you to that inspiring western slash hollywood slash 40s vibe it's a it's one of the best tracks i think to really indulge that sound world and atticus ross and 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 trent reznor nail it they just they nail that sound you you could turn that scene on and if it wasn't for the camera work because it's a juxtaposition right yeah. we've already said this you you wouldn't have a sweeping wide angle camera with a with a black and white with all the you know um filter over the top of it so everything that you're seeing, you're kind of going, I know this is a modern day film, yeah. but everything you're hearing and all the kind of fuzzy things around it are very much indicative of the 40s. And so it's, it's such a is wonderful... Is that the reason then? Is that the, is that the reason then that it is wide that it is widescreen and that we do think... have these panning shots is because we just needed one so. technical element to just keep us in the this is a modern day movie for the audiences of today. This was made for us. No, I, I don't think so because I don't think they use modern day camera techniques as much as they would have liked to have done, I think, if they told the story. There's a couple of other examples where they did do, you know, sort of like the LB's birthday when they're trying to show the entire room through um, LB, sort of Louis B. Mayer's birthday. Yeah. Um, that sequence where you, you've kind of got that incredible, I mean, amazing dialogue. Um, I, I think that's an example where they've they've used the, the width of the the camera to show the whole room so you can see the, the, the scale of the conversation taking place. Um, there's a couple of sequences where, yes, I'm like, I think they were happy they had the widescreen, but that wasn't the reason they chose to, to put it in, if yeah, that makes sure. sense. Um, and then we'll, we talked about it, but the MGM, the salary rollback sequence of showing the really divisive character of L.B. Mayer. Um, and then you've got the track that's played in the background. It's a really, really high tempo uh, track. Uh, I think it's, I can't remember the track name that I've got here. 
I think it's just the M- MGM it's called. Um, and then you have that not even the most disgraceful thing I've ever seen him do, um, which I thought was which I thought was really great. And a special shout out to Arliss Howard. So Arliss Howard is in Jurassic Park. He plays the lawyer, Peter Ludlow. Yeah. But in this, he plays L.B. Mayer. Um, I, he's totally unrecognisable. No, I wouldn't, uh, have re- I wouldn't have recognised him He's also him in full, full Metal Jacket as well. But he's, he's, he, is, he is absolutely fantastic. Um, and then the sequence that follows that is a beautiful piece of music called, <clears throat> called The Respectable Bribe. And that follows the MGM where it's discovered that he's writing the piece on... That's when the first twinge is that um mg uh, the, the lb mayor recognizes that mank is writing about hertz yeah um, and it's a really ominous track that basically sets up the rift that we're going to see down the line uh so so it's it's amazing like some of these sound worlds you've got these amazing majestic pieces of music that are playing um You've got these kind of like, you know, like high, fast tempo pieces of music with people walking around sound sets. And then you've got the kind of the ominous style, the undertones. And that's the three different sound worlds that Atticus Ross and Trent Nesner really leans upon throughout a lot of the tracks throughout this movie. Um, And and they're interdispersed so wonderfully as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the biggest the biggest contrasting styles that I really, really picked up on or what I kind of felt they were saying was, yeah, well, it, there was one big, you know, the big band, as I said, Glenn mm. Gould kind of sound, which was quintessentially jazzy. Yes. That was really painting the picture of the setting of the story. So 19, yeah. 1930s Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. And all that stuff. And you were really getting immersed into that sound world. And it did a the, perfect job of exam- doing that. But what was what was very very interesting to me was in the I'm going to call it the modern day section because it's structured mm-hmm. in flashbacks, yeah, like of course, Citizen yeah. Kane is is yeah, Mac, exactly. and so the modern day section in inverted <clears throat> quotes is of is obviously the the time where he's actually writing Citizen Kane in a lot mm-hmm, of sequences mm-hmm. that very much reminded me of Amadeus. Yeah, it was. He's Amadeus lying, he's wasn't lying it? in a yeah. bed, sweating because he's an alcohol. He's he's an alky, <laughs> and he's yeah. and he's di- and he's dictating, stinking and he, that and he's room, dictating mate. the screenplay for the greatest movie ever written. And I'm like, uh huh, okay, cool. Where yeah, I did yeah, actually, yeah. I did actually not appreciate that actually just because of those <laughs> comparisons. And yeah, I yeah. and I kind of wanted to look it up, look it up, and go, you know, was he actually, you know, back broken? in bed writing this thing with a 60 day deadline and all that because unless unless that actually happened you've just ripped off amadeus he's a manky bastard alex is oh, what he's he manky, is absolutely no <laughs> but in those sections when he was let's say composing mm-hmm, let's say mm-hmm. composing well he does that he does say he says at one of the lines it i want it to sing it doesn't sing because it, it's not an opera yeah, then, yeah <laughs> you know, Lily so Collins there is. Goes, hey, you're not writing <laughs> an opera you're not writing yeah, an exactly. opera it's great but the music in those scenes in those settings and any time where you can find a direct comparable moment with citizen kane the music was much more bernard herman-esque which is not yeah. Which is not jazzy. What was really interesting about our chat with Ken Lample for his movie Chronicle 267 mm. was that he said that the classical romantic orchestral tradition didn't die. 
it just moved to Hollywood. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. where that's where Bernard Herman comes from. His mm. his style of writing was from Corngold. Mm-hmm. Which were who who composed the movie for like the old swashbuckling Errol Flynn movies, which would right. have which would have been in production just before this, like late twenties, early thirties. Mm. And and from Bernard Herman we get John Williams, and from John Williams we get you know dot 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 dot. Yeah, dot. It exactly. just goes from there. Yeah. So the, the tradition on. is that side. So I really very much like how we have both traditions being represented in this in this movie. The fact that we get the jazz setting that really describes the time that we're viewing on screen, and we also get the dramatic romantic orchestration in the style of bernard herman as well yeah and i think and i think it's done so so well some of the dialogue as well is so sharp and so clever it's such david fincher dialogue you know the conversation during alby's birthday we talked a little bit about hitler and how hitler was an omnipotent presence during citizen kane as the film was coming out and then they're kind of having the discussions between the difference between communism and socialism and it's just such a timely conversation it really is and then you throw in the kind of feminism angle that marion's portraying you know how she says well i actually can't have it i'm not allowed an opinion because i'm a woman and she kind of goes off and she goes i'm speaking out of term whilst her husband's around it, it's just such a it's just such an amazing timely representation of you know they were grappling with conversations that in that room alone they were grappling with a conversation that was really going to be setting a lot of the seeds for how America starts to view itself and how, how we, when they get asked the serious questions of, are we a communism? Are we socialism? Are we, you know, capitalism sneaking into the background there? But actually it's amazing how the people that were in that room, as we saw on screen, had the power to manipulate political campaigns, ideologies. They have newspapers in that room alone. That, that was some of the most powerful people in America. Yeah. I don't know how much they knew how powerful they were. I'm sure and they did. Certainly, well, yeah, exactly. But certainly the, the, the type of sway they could have had. I think at a time, you look back on it now and I, you definitely get the kind of feeling coming from David Fincher is that what was bleeding through the dialogue was, in theory, these guys in this room could nip in the bud America's answer to communism and America's answer to the rise of powers of fascism and and in in Nazi Germany and that conversation we think of America's job in the war was they just kind of came along at the end but you can imagine that conversation was taking place as you've said not with the president but with the real powers that be in America at that time, like that was a bubbling agenda that was taking place. And yeah. we're talking about like that was the 30s. Like that was, I think it was 34 because 34 is when Upton Sinclair ran for governor. Yeah. So you're not you're not really looking, you know, there's a good 10 years and these conversations were taking place a while before that, um, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, no, the historical context is really, really fascinating at that time. It's not something Another- I know nearly enough about. 
<laughs> no. So I've got two tracks that I, I said I was going to kind of bring back to. One of them supports that kind of that that jazzy kind of feel, and one of them's the kind of the slower, more amazing dramatic um, sequences. So one of them was Marion's exit, which is the sequence that accompanies where Mank, you know, Mank chases her in the car, um, and he says hearse off to Cairo, um, and it's almost like that first recognition within Mank that he's done something wrong, that he's actually actively written a scandal piece against Hertz, yeah. which is that recognition you get in his head when he joins her in the you know because he's he's hearing secondhand information through Marion he's in love with her but also is kind of scared of the manipulation that she has and the control that she'll have over him and over her to, to an extent um just following that you have the whole the, the 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 summation of the election night piece and do you know what piece of music that I thought it was so this the track scenes from election night was very similar to sing 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 Oh really? Which is the dun 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 Oh yeah. And it's and it's that kind of feel that we have and it's driving. It's it is it's it was it was driving driving a lot of it um and yeah just fantastic. The I do also love all the jokes about Rosebud. I think there's a couple of Rosebud jokes that take place in the dialogue. Um, so when Hausman finishes reading the script and he says, I can't believe I care about a bloody sled yeah. or something along these lines. And people think that uh, the folklore, the rude, the rude one, so cover your ears, the rude one where people think that Rosebud actually is marriage genitalia. Yeah. And they, they kind of joke around that, which I was like, oh, God, that's ruined that movie for me <laughs> for quite a bit. Absolutely, yeah. Um, get, your, get your heads out of the gutter. <laughs> what are you doing? I also I did a little deep dive on one character in particular, right. Alex. If you don't mind indulging oh, me, please. so there is a there is a character in Mank, and I was watching it, and I had a sneaking suspicion that this character was all too convenient. Um, that basically forwarded the narrative that Mank is trying. Man, there's no real repercussions for Mank's actions. There's no real repercussions for him actually putting the smear campaign against Hertz and kind of really like outing him for for what he's trying to do with MGM yeah. and, and the political agenda that they have. And there was one character that I thought it's all too convenient he's there, and that's Shelley Metcalf. Okay. So Shelley Metcalf is the character who uh, commits suicide with with the gun. Yeah. Um. And and the whole sequence at the end. Now, I did a bit of research, and actually, I don't think that's a real character, and neither does the internet. So the sequence when Shelley Metcalf's announced that um, he had Parkinson's, and, yeah. and we have that track of Look What We Did, and that, that Look What We Did track is, I, I think, is my favourite track of the whole score, yeah. because it's just like, it's designed because you've designed this one character, Shelley Metcalf, to make the audience think the real actions or the real consequences of the actions. But his character, Shelley Metcalf, represents the manifestation of Mank's own hypocrisy, reflecting on his uh, his, his camaraderie uh, with such bigwigs as Mayer and Hertz, while assuming no, he doesn't assume any personal responsibility for his actions uh, for the grander political sense. Yeah. But that's what this character is designed to do. Yeah. I don't know if you maybe kind of felt that or if you were kind of like, it all just kind of happened abruptly a little bit. No, definitely. There, he always seemed to turn up when Mank had to sort of look at himself yes, in some way. Yeah. He always turned uh -huh. up at that kind of character-defining moment in, mm, at every point mm. in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the only thing uh, you got right was how lonely he was as a boy, said by Marion. Uh, which I also also thought was a really great quote. That that kind of quote when the two of them are are having that drink, um, and you've got that piece of music playing "Forgive Me" in the background, which I think was a really interesting 
you know, we, we've talked about the Mank is a movie that assumes that Hearst is Charles Foster Kane. Yeah. But that one bit of dialogue from Marion, you know, her, uh, the wife of um, Hertz says, the only thing that you actually did get right was that when he was a boy, he was really lonely. Yeah. Um, which is, which is just like, it's just wonderful. Like some of the dialogue was just well, It is really amazing, just, but it, the, the, it the is... film also does hammer home the point that you can't sum up a man's life in two hours. Yes, That's a direct yes. line. That's a direct line in the movie. And yes. it's definitely something that is really prevalent in Citizen Kane as well. Yes. The fact that because, you know, you see his life through various different lenses from various different points of view. And at the end, you still can't make up your mind if he's a good guy or a bad guy or mm. or what his endgame motivations are or what his pathos for life is or any of that. You just get yeah. different snapshots from different people. And what's really interesting was I watched a trailer for this movie. Well, for Citizen Kane. Yeah. For Citizen I Kane. I watched a trailer for Citizen Kane. It's on YouTube oh, okay. and it's really, really interesting. Okay. Because it's basically a voiceover by Orson Welles introducing mm. the cast. Because obviously mm. at the time in this kind of depression that America's going through, they, you know, cinemas wanted, studios wanted theaters open and they wanted cinema goers in there and they wanted ticket mm -hmm. sales and you can tell that in the trailer um they say we we really hope that you'll come and see this movie orson wells says this but there's a line at the end of the trailer where he says i really don't know what you're going to think of charles foster kane oh interesting okay uh who he is and yeah, all that yeah. he, he basically sets up that query in the trailer yeah. And it's really, really fascinating. Yeah. Would well, you think he did that? Because I think Charles Foster Kane's always had his, and, and Herman Mankiewicz especially, has always had his ideas of what Hertz is as a person. But the public were generally indifferent to him because they didn't really, you know, we talk about the omnipotent powers from the press and the media at the yeah. time. But the reason it's omnipotent is because no one knows it's happening. So almost Citizen Kane is a kind of, it's a it's a sort of scandal piece. It's a sort of like it's a scandal piece against Hertz. And from what you're saying about that trailer, and especially of we don't know what you're going to think of of uh, of Charles Foster Kane, it's kind of him putting the spotlight on Hearst yeah. at that time and hoping that people kind of go, yeah, he's a, he's a bad bloke actually, who's who's got too much power, too yeah. much wealth, and this is never going to be good for anyone. Um, and then you you know sprinkle that on the whole conversation around. Um, Mank himself is a is a huge advocate of socialism, and 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 it's just, it's just one. It's just a really interesting. Yeah, that's I did not know that. that yeah, really no, I, I, there's so much so much to dive into. There's there's one last there's one last interesting aspect I had interesting thought I had about mm. Mank was that it appeared to me that it was made as if it was shot by Orson Welles. Okay. Elaborate. Which was which was very very interesting because Orson Welles is not in the movie that much. No, no, he's, he's not, not in the movie that much. He's kind of this omnipotent presence on the end of a phone for most yes. of it until one uh, sort of showdown, Explosive, showdown yeah. scene, which inspires that outburst of violence in mm -hmm. 
in uh, his way in Charles Foster Kane's wife's room. You know when he trashes her mm. room, mm. Um, and which was very much inspired by that, or so the movie says. Yes, yeah. but I mean very yeah. technically because there's moments where they use similar or not similar but almost identical camera techniques in the mm. movie mag and the best examples I, I can give were for much of the for much 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 of the movie the camera was pointing upwards mm-hmm. so at the time of citizen kane this was very 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 new mm. because it made the characters seem much much larger than they were yeah the camera yes. was always pointing up and the reason why that was very very new is because traditionally movies made on a soundstage you would never want to see the ceiling because mm. it was made on a stage you should only see yeah, the, of course you should only see the backdrop so if anything it should be square on or pointing down yep. because then you see the floor every set has a floor but not every yep. set has to have a ceiling because obviously that's where you mm. put the lights mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so orson wells really changed a lot of that because he wanted these camera angles where his where his characters seemed huge, and particularly yes. Charles Foster Kane. Yes, yes. Where he was supposed to be an enormous physical presence, which he was yeah, for a lot yeah. of it. And as a result, they had to uh, find different ways there were the, to accommodate that. So they actually cut holes into the floor to put the camera in so that they were shooting up from the floor. And also oh, really? they would extend the physical sets so that a lot of them have had ceilings. It's very, very interesting. Mm. You look at time, at movies of the time and mm. most of the sets didn't have ceilings. And a mm. lot of these mm. shots were prevalent in Mank as well, almost obnoxiously mm. so. Because obviously, mm. fast forward to 2020, you're like, all right, okay, well, low, low angle pointing up and you can see the ceiling, so what? Mm-hmm. But because it's about Citizen Kane, it's impossible to not make that comparison and the other one is that double zoom that double zoom feature you know when you see a big the the best shot the best example in citizen kane i can think of it happens a lot in citizen kane but the best one i can think of is at the opera house where the camera is right behind kane's head but his Mm -hmm. but his profile is perfectly in focus but what's on the stage of the opera house his wife singing yes is also yes. perfectly in focus that was a very new it requires a very special lens and combination of things to achieve that effect to have perfect zoom both in the foreground and in the background right that was another camera technique that people credit orson wells with inventing and is quintessentially ah, him and even now it's not something that happens very 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 often because no. it's it, it's it's quite jarring to the eye you yes. do notice it when it happens but it happened in mank as well ah very so interesting. you've got very you've got a couple of staple filmmaking techniques that are very famously associated with citizen kane mm-hmm. that that is employed in a movie about one of the screenwriters of citizen kane and i think what if Orson Welles was making the movie about his screenwriter and he was just off yeah, camera? He yeah. was he was behind the camera ah, doing, the, great, doing the strings. Yeah, I see. And I don't think I've I don't think I've marinated that thought long enough to come to a conclusion <laughs> as to what that means, but I quite like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a really that's a really good one actually. That's a really good. Uh, I'd never considered that before. Now, some of the things that I think we're, we're pretty close to wrapping up. Some of the things that I know happened from history that didn't get included in Mank, um, which really interesting. It doesn't include Molly Kent or Roger Q. Denny. So, who are the two other screenwriters who helped? Mank and who I think they did the rewrites because Mank did the first draft and they did some of the rewrites. It also doesn't talk about the death. So Tommy's the character who's one of the other screenwriters. Um, in real life, he actually tragically died on Hearst's yacht. Um, and uh, Marion was was almost um, she she was sort of incited in that murder and that kind of led to her downfall and she sort of became uh, unfortunately became an alcoholic and stuff. So that the real Marion actually had a pretty tragic ending. But again, none of that was used in Mank as to, as a story element, obviously because it wasn't anything to do with Mank, but it definitely, I, I think it showed the, the comeuppance of some of the characters, especially sort of Hurst, and Hurst was acquitted, obviously, from his riches of that murder, and it was nothing to do with, I don't think he was on the yacht, actually, at the time. Um, and then we have the, I guess, just the, the last thing to talk about is the, the, the organ and the monkey, or the, <laughs> the, 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 Jesus, <laughs> the organ grinder's monkey. Oh, yeah, the parable. The parable Brilliantly of the organ delivered by the ever amazing Charles Dance. Yes, absolutely. And Char- I mean, we haven't really gone into the the other Charles Dance and Gary Oldman. The two of them, yeah, that final. Didn't even mention Gary Oldman's <laughs> name in this whole deep dive. <laughs> Did he, has he been nominated for best actor as well? Has Let's he? Assume that he has been. <laughs> Let's assume that he has. But 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 I genuinely I do I actually think the supporting actor for the for this. Um, um, for this for this role is actually Arliss Howard who plays LB Mayer. Oh yeah. Um, so I I think he you know he's the one who goes he actually pays your salary. Do you know he pays half your salary? Um, that explosive retort yeah. to Mank. And the, not I mean, for the way sequence, you write, but for the way not you for the talk. Way, way you talk. Ooh. Oh, it's just it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant. I mean, he is the best. I think Arliss Howard is the best actor in this film and i think he's the best you know playing lb mayor um of of mgm and and it, it obviously charles dance's hearse is more used as a device in this movie i think than anything it was great having charles dance yeah, in that role yeah. what, what do you think of the organ grinders monkey parable what's what's your summation of that whole and i guess because that takes into account citizen kane too really doesn't it yeah or at least this filmmaker's interpretation of it yes, you know as we've yeah. as we've discussed there's so many different things that you can take from citizen kane you know what does it actually mean and i don't think there's any real answer but i think in the context of mank we've obviously got david fincher saying no charles foster kane was hearst mm. and it means this mm. so we mm. have to kind of take it as gospel yes. for the purposes yeah, of this yeah, movie yeah. but it was very much <laughs> the moral of the story is at the end of the movie that that yeah, that's yeah. what this sequence was yeah was functionally wasn't yeah, it absolutely thumbs up mate i mean i th- i think trent reznor and atticus ross personally i think they nail it yeah and can i i'm gonna double down mm-hmm. this is the win for me i think this might win I, I yeah think, i think I this think might this win is the win and mm-hmm. because we because haven't I heard think all of them good. let's be honest well, i think <laughs> Have we not? Have got... we heard all? No, of them? I think there's one that we've not heard. So, so is Defy is is 
is to five bloods is being nominated yeah. hasn't it um trial of chicago 7. so i think the five bloods is very good i think trial of chicago 7 i think is maybe a little bit better actually i don't know i do think this is i mean it's it's as we, we've talked about lengthy scores there's over 50 tracks in this score as yeah, well yeah no absolutely which is a, which is a theme isn't no, 100%, it 100 percent. I, I really really like it and i i do think this is a winning score i think if this wins it It'll will make sense yeah. it will make sense what i will say is there will be a lot of people and i reckon they're already there on the internet that says that you know our best original score is what they call a technical category right which is not true but they just call anything that's not the actor and director categories technical categories yes hollywood likes to make movies about itself we know this yeah the artist we, do you remember yeah, that yeah i do know that but <laughs> hollywood loves itself oh, and they love making movies about themselves and more interestingly Trumbo. they might more interestingly they like making good movies about themselves and i think that is the biggest point here yeah make better movies about other things hollywood yeah. because <laughs> yeah, exactly because people will bitch and moan about oh hollywood's just jerking itself off with this stuff and things like that and i'm like no it's still a good movie it's just yeah, yeah it's yeah. just they seem a lot more invested about making good movies about themselves than they are about making good movies about other things so just you know mm. get the quality elsewhere thank you very much and we'll all be happy so you think this one will win it? I think so, yeah. And I'll be giving it a two thumbs up. Yeah, two two thumb two thumbs up for me as well, mate. I mean it's 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 a really it's a really great um it's a really, really great score that accompanies an amazing story. Yeah. Uh I personally do still think that Terence Blanchard will win it four to five bloods. Okay, I think cool. that won my edge, um, because I just love that score so bloody yeah. much. I think it's a perfect accompanying to the to that movie. But We'll soon find out. When is the Oscars? Okay, well, there we go. There's a nice type. We'll, we'll put it... We probably will put it in or we won't put it in. Go, why don't you Google yeah, Google the you Oscars? Know, don't, don't make us do all the work for you. We, we, we do almost no work for this. <laughs> Speak for your bloody stuff, man. forward yeah let's move forward you'll never guess <laughs> that's, oh, that's that? the bell that's the bell from the from the lint lint chocolate reindeer that i've just demolished absolutely <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> like a prize <laughs> you've just demolished <laughs> like it's the equivalent of like the antlers on the wall <laughs> it's just a little bell that goes round its neck. Although those little reindeers have turned to bunnies this time of year. Sorry, just as a as a as a heads up, we've um, we're recording this after. No, no, wait, 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 okay, wait, wait, we wait, go. wait, 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 wait. Right, go on. Well, I was I was gonna give a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, uh-huh. right? And I was gonna kind of pat myself on the back here because in that entire time that we were having that extreme deep dive, yes, into those two fabulous movies. Ago just a second ago, I've actually, on the down low, been watching the newest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, you're up to speed. I'm completely up to speed. I was able to give it my full attention while simultaneously 
giving top-notch content for a podcast. Ah, I see what you've done. Are you impressed? Well, I'm, I'm just woken up from a nap as well. Oh, okay. Right. My God, honestly. I woke up... So you slept, slept through, through the, the whole podcast. Yeah. Maddie's okay. making something in the kitchen. Honestly, well, I texted you. Maddie's trying out a new drum kit on the pots and pans. I don't, honestly, the <laughs> noise that she's making is mental. It's just... Oh, I can't hear anything. I had, I had leftovers, and I've just eaten my weight in leftovers, and I fell asleep, so I'm ready. I'm fresh to talk about Falcon oh, yes, and the Winter Soldier. Because you, cause you made fall last Mate. night, didn't you? Oh, it was something else. Well, Maddie accidentally but <laughs> we went to the stops, and we were going to get lamb for tomorrow night for Easter meal. We've got the lamb now, so don't worry about it. But Fabulous. yesterday, we accidentally picked up a pork shoulder. Easy done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to get. Wait, this isn't lamb. I had to get. I had to get imaginative. It's fucking mad, isn't it? That's the most exciting thing that happened yesterday. I accidentally picked up a pork shoulder. Like, what is life right now? I was like, how mad? I read somewhere. Oh, you'll never guess what happened. I read yesterday. somewhere. It's like it's like we're we're literally we are all still living in a twenty mark modern studies question. Like that's literally what yeah, we're living absolutely. in. Absolutely. <laughs> This is weird. So, shall we start with episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Why don't we? Right, headline right up top. Yeah. Have we just had the new Black Panther reveal? Oh, oh, are we going to do that? We're going to work backwards. Oh, no, I mean, that's the bit. That's got to be the hot topic from this episode. So, is Ayo the new Black Panther? I absolutely. I, she's all in black. Yes, she's all in black. She's on her Todd. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. A famous yeah. part of being the Black Panther, you've got to be on your Todd. <laughs> on your Todd, yeah. No, but do you know what I mean? She's all in. She's all in black. <laughs> she's not. She's not wearing her royal. You know, she's very colourful yes, in the other movies, yes, isn't exactly, she? Yes, exactly, yeah. I know what you're Whereas saying. Whereas here, she's all in black. Well, I don't know. And that, potentially, you know. potentially, I mean, I think my MCU are going to be... Sorry, I'm still shaking this little bell around. I'm going to put it away. Yeah, stop trophy. playing with it. You're not, you're not a cat. I still think that... Um, well, so, I mean, look, to be honest, we've got a couple of things that we've got to talk about here and what that means for the falcon winter soldier and and i part of me wants to say yes is she the new black yeah. panther however there's a couple of things that maybe i don't think is right so let's go down the route of she is the new black panther right Righty, that is righty. assuming that chadwick boseman um sadly is obviously no longer going to be reprising the role and in the mcu timeline has died now potentially she's mourning that's why she's in black still yeah yeah but the reason i don't think that is the case is because I have heard, and I say I've heard, there's a big, it's not really a spoiler, but basically Malcolm Sewell, so he's one of the the um, the the writers for the show, he's one of the sort of the, the, the sort of right, screenwriters okay. for the show. So Martin Sewell, he has a couple of times, and he, and he in Twitter on the 23rd of March, he put a, a kind of a statement out saying that there is going to be a major cameo in uh, episode five. So oh. I'm not sure that who that is, but apparently, spoilers. yeah, spoilers. Well, it's been out there for a while. He's been saying this, okay, but I, okay. I think it's going to be he. What he has said is it's going to be a Thor level presence. I don't think it's going to be Thor, but it's going to be a Thor level presence. But it's going to be a very grounded character. Thor level. Yeah. What does that mean? So in terms of uh, a sort of power set and an an impact, oh, right, okay. maybe not physical. I do still think it's going to be a human, but I think he's going to have that level of, or she's going to have that level of impact. Um, 
it's also going to be a heartbreaking episode, is what he's the what they've said. Right, so okay. my theory is that we might get a Chadwick Boseman cameo in episode five. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so either that or I mean, I don't know. Maybe a... it's interesting. It's interesting because I I kind of don't want Falcon and Winter Soldier to be a vehicle for progressing the the overall narrative. No, no, no. I I mean, or for I don't reason. want it. I don't want it to be the swan song of Chadwick Boseman. Mm. I don't think that because it feels like. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about the high quality of these shows of One Division and Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah. but facts are facts not as many audience members are going to see these shows as the movies and i believe that chadwick boseman and the importance of black panther mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. culturally to so many people deserves more of a big screen treatment and i don't think we should necessarily have the in-universe explanation for the lack of chadwick yeah. the lack of T'Challa in this series yeah. it just feels a bit cheap to yeah me. no you, you could be absolutely right I mean it could be anything it could, I could be speculating it could be a Steve Rogers cameo it could be maybe him dying I mean that that that's yet to happen yeah um, I mean he's he, he I mean he's kicking around uh, unless he managed to get back to his own parallel universe right. that he went to which that's still a not clear no how that not. worked at the end of endgame so there's it? still there could be some flashbacks obviously we've seen previous super soldiers from previous experiments in the past so i i, I yeah if we're gonna if we're gonna start with the speculations i think there's gonna be a few things down the line as we said episode five is gonna be the one um yeah. looking forward now we chatted a bit i think we we said we were gonna potentially do or maybe i've edited this bit out but i was i said we were maybe gonna do a spoiler free uh, rundown, but but now you've seen it. Let's let's go into spoilers. So, Fabulous. Zemo is a goodie. It seems is he though? Is he? No, I don't think so. Is I mean, he though? They 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 have aligned motivations. Yes, that that is yeah, exactly. He's not. He's not. I'm a, a big fan of this character. I I I mean, Baron Zemo, especially in Civil War. I mean, I, let's be let's be completely honest. I don't think they're the same character anymore. I think he was almost more jokey he was he was giving it a fucking dance beat at one point you see him giving a good fist pump in the club he was giving a here we here we here we (laughs) he was giving it i know and he's tragic in civil war like there's some of that character motivated like he you know he's doing lines off a bar zakovia got eaten up by its neighbors and Mm -hmm. it, it was kind of a bit of a throwaway line you kind of wanted to see him get a bit passionate and angry yeah Instead of like doing doing like shots at the bar and having a bottle of Buckfast and stuff like this, what with yeah, the snake? Uh, I, I I think I think you'll find it was a Bacardi. Did freezing, you see? Nice. Did you see the snake getting in? Did you see the snake? But Alex, can you like snakes? Yeah, and that? I saw the snake. Do you know the thing? The thing with him is it was a dead snake, so it was. Oh, that's cool. No worries. The thing with Zemo in this is he looks great as well. I, I think he looks he looks very menacing, and I think the purple mask looked really great. His hair's a bit odd. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I was thinking his hair looks a bit. Is it maybe a wig or is it hairnet? I don't quite know what he's doing with I it. I don't know. I thought that was just his no, hair. No, it looks a bit weird. It looks a bit odd. Oh, Watch okay. it again. You'll I'll see. take your I'll no, take your word for like, it. I didn't. I was like, mate, mind up. Do you, do you know what? Do you know what I I got a bit confused about? What? And you're you, you can absolutely tell me I'm being an idiot here, but was he was he always? royalty ah it's a very good point yes so right. he was always a, because yeah 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 because yeah, yeah, yeah. because they, they said this thing in the 
in the show where he was like, well, I'm a baron. Yeah. I'm basically royalty. And I was like, yeah. Hang on. No, no, he was before. I mean, you think about it. He was he was flying all over the world. He was how was he funding all the the schemes and stuff before? He's he think of him as but, a think of him as a kind of evil Batman, if you will. An evil an evil Batman. But he as part of his backstory in Civil War, did he not say that he was Zakovian's secret service? Well, so he had a military background. Could, yeah, he did have a okay, It was like but it's like, I, it's like but I believe yeah. obviously obviously I've not watched Civil War so so recently to be able to accurately quote this but i believe it was secret service secret intelligence right that kind of right. thing he was a spy right right let's let's make a comparison here what if prince harry was james bond oh here we go yeah but it's i mean like i don't yeah you're right it, it, it doesn't Look, just, really make just, sense yeah no just exactly. just say just say suspend your disbelief and i'll go yeah okay because well, yeah this but is i all, get the impression that this the is all silly but i get stuff, the impression that if he was secret service the baron he's he's not known he's known as the baron he lives in this world but he's not like he's not on mugs and stuff you can't even buy him on a t-shirt do you know what i mean you can't like he's not he's not appearing in front of oprah I think he's the Baron behind closed doors. He's pulling the strings and stuff. And I get the impression, potentially, that he is from a military family, so he was raised in privacy, raised in secrecy, but wasn't... He's not, he's not like... It's not like Prince Harry, how he's always on the TV and stuff, and you watch him grow up. I think yeah, he's okay. growing up behind closed doors, and he's being trained in a military environment. Um, I'm still of the impression that this was a little bit of a retcon... That they kind of went, no, no, let's go back to his comic book yeah. actual barony. Well, I mean, you forget, right? So, barony stuff, and I'm like, right, okay, you got away with right, that, but, but I don't think he was that. Well, all but, but, I'll, but I'll, so here's the thing, right? Mate? So Baron Zemo is actually he's from World War Two, right? And so you think about yeah. it, he could have been a baron, he could have been raised in royalty, but not known to the public because they yeah, didn't comic book. Yeah, wise, exactly. Yeah. So that's why. So it kind of falls into line with either they've done a bit of a retcon, but they've brought in the baron backstory. Um, yeah, I don't believe for a second that he was actual like aristocracy fine. in yeah, civil yeah. war though i don't think that's the same what guy. do you think of madripoor it was it was cool i had to google it yeah so <laughs> i i had to google it. i was like what city is that and they were like oh madripoor and i was like first of all this is very very embarrassing yeah. very very embarrassing uh first of all i put it into apple maps okay it's not there. no it's not so it's then, not so then i go so then i googled it and they're like did you mean oh, singapore <laughs> No, well, you know, I was like, okay, there's quite, there's quite a few like cities. Yes, out there. yes. I was like, am I just, am I just being thick and I'm yeah. not? Because I thought I had quite good geography. I thought I was quite good uh -huh. at world, world locations and things like that. But I was like, oh, that's why I've heard. Well, it, it doesn't. It's exist. an X Men location originally, uh, but in fact, I think originally it was owned by Hydra in the comics. But it's most known. For... Well, the whole city yeah, was owned by exactly, Hydra. Exactly. Yeah, it was under, it was under Hydra control. But it is, it's most famously with the X-Men stories, and it's used quite a lot in X-Men. Um, I think Wolverine's son, Drake, actually owned it for a while, um, if I remember rightly, but I can't remember when that was from. But but yeah, yeah. but basically, it's it's very much an, an X-Men style of property. Um, the design of the city of Madripoor was actually created, one of, the, one of the John Wick creators, I forget his name, I can find it, but he was actually responsible for this version of Madripoor, and that makes sense, oh, because okay. if you can see, you know, like John Wick's very much like nightclubs and stuff, and uh, neon lights and things, and Madripoor is basically one big John Wick set, 
uh, which yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. was quite interesting. Uh, and we also had Emily Van Camp reprising her role as Sharon Carter. What's your thoughts yeah, on Sharon got... Carter? Well, she's gone through a little bit of a character revamp. Mm. <laughs> a very an Emily Van Camp. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you know the thing is right? She's getting a, she's getting a lot of hate. Before we get onto some, the, is yeah, she? there's a lot. So I thought she was I thought she was great. She was yeah, she was a bit angsty yeah. and a little bit angry. But yeah, I think a lot. That's of people... just a character thing. Like... <laughs> no, I think a lot of people are kind of just a bit like a bit meh to her. I think she in herself. I mean, Emily Van Camp's gone on record to kind of be like, yeah, I'd be pissed too if I was in her situation. Everyone got their comeuppance in Civil War, or whatever, except for her. She was kind of pushed to the sidelines. Um, I'll be honest. I think I kind of assumed that she got pardoned at some point, yeah. and they just didn't get her back for any movies because she didn't quite fit no, in that's they, just the assumption i was no they've kind of mistreated her a little bit and i think the character as well you can see she's got a chip on her shoulder i wouldn't be surprised actually if she's a secret villain um i think potentially she was the one either texting the flag smashers at the start or big plot twist i think she either she might be working with or uh, or is the power broker interesting so yeah so or the flag smashers so so i think there's lots of the other person who i think could have been texting uh the flag smashers is uh white russell so the the, the captain america the new one oh, yeah. i forget his name um john walker i don't think that's as <laughs> johnny like johnny walker <laughs> i think john, i think john, he could have texted johnny her, walker blue you've got something that because he says you've got something that belongs to me and i think he i mean it's pretty clear he's after the super soldier serum isn't it yeah, because I think he probably feels like that's the last ingredient between what he is now and becoming Steve Rogers. Right, The, yeah, the next yeah, Steve yeah, Rogers. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, because he's definitely going down the rabbit hole of, of, you know, really wanting to be Captain America, but his methods and mm. his temperament leave mm. a lot to be desired i think just before we move off away i mean I, I thought it was a great episode the 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 thing that i kind of said just a second ago and i'll, I'll say again Wyatt russell's getting a lot of hate online to the fact that he's actually had to cancel his social media because what? people are you yeah, kidding me yeah people are people are, are telling him sending him death threats apparently why because they hate well because they hate the character so oh much. my god it's mental. Oh. Aren't, aren't marvel aren't, oh, aren't, aren't comic are book so fans thick. the most aren't, aren't but aren't comic book fans the most dis disgusting like at times like it's just vile isn't it but you know apparently white russell's kind of gone on record star to wars be fans. Star wars fan. but he's kind of gone on record just to be like hey like i knew what i was getting into for this and it's oh like, come on but it's mental isn't it it's do you mental. know disrespecting captain america i do you know do you know what i haven't had a deep dive into this thing mm. but i one of the headlines of the endless scrolling of social media that i saw this morning was people was something like people that are complaining about John Walker are clearly missing the point because he was controversial in the 80s and he's controversial now. It's the same character. Yeah. I mean, I've not done my own deep dive into the character or the portrayal or whatever, but it sounds like this is exactly how he's supposed to be. Of course it is. Of course, it's, 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 it's such a well-written God, character. Some people are so Mate, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll get we'll get the next few episodes. Um, I want to be quick because we've got a few things to cover. So we also had, believe it or not, another Suicide Squad trailer. But oh. this was a Green Band Suicide Squad trailer because this is 
uh, for all the people who are underage who want to watch this trailer. And I don't know, like, is this is this so like sixteen year olds, fifteen year olds can get hyped and then a couple of years watch it? Is what's who is this for? Possibly, not sure. Who is this for? Yeah, I was this is the I, thing. The only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of, is that there will be two versions released. Oh yeah, potentially. So James Gunn's gone on, on to Twitter. I, I don't have the tweet in front of me here, but what he was saying along the lines of, I wouldn't disrespect my fans that much by what typically happens is there's a red brand trailer and a green band trailer. And, yeah. you know, some of the dialogue changes, a couple of the blood. And we got this, you know, we, we Idris Elba doesn't say for fuck's sake. He says, for God's sake, after yeah. the, you know, we're all going to die line from, uh, I think it's, I think it's. But Paul do you Dogman. think that, but yeah. But do you think that that's so far fetched? with a lot of changes being made in the way we consume movies now and a lot of events that have happened for example the Snyder cut mm. the the fact that the fans got a movie that was 100% that was 4 hours long and 100% the the director's vision and not in the canon is it too far fetched to think what happens if there is two versions of the movies that are that that are released a uh, r-rated one and a not r-rated one because but, but with a different because, plot not with a different plot just n- not so much with a different plot but just a more pg version you know things yeah. are r-rated because of nudity swear words and violence right so yeah, you just yeah. do so you just have alternate takes of the violence to turn it into yeah. pg violence you just take out the swear words which is easy easy enough you just do it a couple more takes mm. time because the reason why r-rated superhero movies haven't existed in the past is because they're get all the bums in the seats vehicles yeah this yeah. is why they have to be they have to be at, at the most a 12 because that's where how you're going to get the most audience but obviously with recent successes i say recent but modern successes uh like logan and deadpool, deadpool they're probably the biggest ones. Fuck, Logan's such a great movie. Such a good, such a such, brilliant movie. Such a good movie. One of the best but, trailers as well. That oh yeah, Johnny definitely. Cash trailer. But God. with with those undeniable successes, would, is it so far fetched to think that a movie studio might go, mm, Ching Ching, let's do both? Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think that's a fair point. I think it's a, I think it's a really fair point. I don't know. But I, I just I disagree with that because well, I mean, I disagree with that this time because it's James Gunn that's doing this, and I'm just not sure if that's really his style. If that's his tempo, I think that's. But I is just, that is that really is that a style thing or is it? Well, well, you say that, but both the Guardians movies were quintessentially James Gunn and also quintessentially PG. PG, yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't. Well, yeah, know. but there's I not think... an R-rated version of either of them, is there? I'm well, fucking no. Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> but then that's Disney, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, because this isn't Disney. It's Warner Brothers, isn't it? It is indeed. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely, mate. I'm not quite sure we're going to get, but we do get some other points from this trailer. Of course, the thinker is now Scottish. We've got it confirmed. I love it when there's a Scottish character in a Hollywood movie. And I love when the Scot is Peter Capaldi. It's wonderful. And I have now, I've got my theories on who Taki Waititi is. I've done a little bit of research search mate um now from both trailers there's a character who i think is going to make it through who if you told me the slate of characters when it was announced i would have and said some of these are going to die i would have said absolutely rat catcher 2 is not going to make it through but from all the trailers i thought you were going to say giant starfish oh from oh starro (laughs) um 
uh, it's I forget her name, Melquire. She's uh, she's Rat Rat Catcher too. Is it is it is it Damien uh, Dominique Melquire? Um, hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna give it a quick. Well, so a quick she's Google. a quick a quick Googs. Uh, where is she? Daniela, I said Dominique. So Daniela Melquire. So she's playing Rat Catcher too. So she's pretty prevalent in both trailers, which leads me to think that. Taki Watiti might be Ratcatcher One, so might be the father. Uh, of course, there is still the the idea that he is the voice of Starro, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, really excited yeah. for this movie. I think there's some there's going to be some really interesting power sets. Some really, it's just going to be a fun movie, man. Yeah, it it really really is. And I don't know, I can't really remember the slate of movies that we have coming out between now and August, but. This might be one of the first movies we get to see back in the cinema, as far well, as the UK is concerned, because we're not actually allowed back in there until July, are we? Well, yeah, I think it's been it's been pushed back for us. I mean, we're still going to get some a lot of the premiere access. Um, obviously, we we did have the announcement that Black Widow is going to be coming on the 9th of July. So yeah, it's expected, we did get that announcement, which is which is excited. But they're going to be doing the Disney model that they did for Milan, except for because it kind of worked for Ray and the Last Dragon. Apparently, I mean, the numbers yeah, seemed did. pretty positive. Which is it's one of these things where like if you shit on the toilet long enough, you're going to shit twice. If you sit on the toilet long enough, you're going to I'm going to start that again. <laughs> If you oh. sit on the, it's one of these things where if you sit on the toilet long enough, you're gonna shit twice. Yeah, and you know, eventually they're gonna make money from this model, no matter what, because they have like they have to make money from oh, this. They're already it's... making money exactly. from this model, so uh, so that, that'll be money. great. A uh, couple more things coming up. A couple more things in the zeitgeist. Um, I was reading somewhere, so we haven't seen Minari. I'm really, really keen to see Minari. However, uh, Steve Yeun, so from The Walking Dead fame, who played Glenn, which he was always one of my favourite characters, Glenn, in The Walking Dead. It was, he's, he's just brilliant. He has uh, been... So he's been cast or he's being eyed for Jordan Peele's new film with Universal. So Jordan okay. Peele being the uh, revolutionary horror uh, film creator, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess creator more because he's the producer, he's the director, he's the writer. Auteur. Auteur. So films like Us, uh, films like Get Out. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see this. I think Stephen Yoon is had a bit of a a bit of a, a kick up the arse almost for his career, hasn't it? Of this Minari, uh, and I think he's in he's in Invincible. Have you watched Invincible yet? First three episodes are up on Amazon Prime. I have not. Yeah, it's the new Robert Kirkman TV series based on the graphic novels of the same name. So that's got ah, Stephen Yoon. It's an incredible cast, actually. Stephen Yoon, J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, Zan, uh, Zazie Beetz. You had uh, J.K. Simmons. It's got Walter Goggins. It's got Zachary Quinto, Mark Ooh. Hamill, Seth Rogen. Uh, Clancy Brown. It's a ridiculous cast. John Hamm. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you've you've got to get this watch. That is, that's quality. That is. Ezra Miller, Lenny James. Yeah, so so get so get it. Watch Ezra Miller can get in the bin. But uh, there's some really Justin Roiland from uh, uh, from Rick and Morty. So yeah, so watch Invincible as well. Um, and the only other piece of news we have is Netflix have made quite a daring purchase, haven't they, Alex? They have indeed. They've bought two sequels to Ryan Johnson's hit movie The Last Jedi. No, it's not. It's uh, <laughs> Knives Out. Yeah, exactly. The two exactly. Knives Out sequels. And at first I was like, yeah, really? Mm. Mm. 
oh i'm not sure about that because i i actually think a lot of the so a lot of the charm of knives out is obviously what they're buying here which is daniel craig Mm. and his you know southern sleuth detective person you know it's just a great character to build stuff character but i think a lot of the quality like the real quality that gave it just that little something extra was in the secondary characters casting and the story behind it that's specifically the maid character how she was cast how important she was oh yeah and etc etc and i think it's that that would be much harder to replicate because mm. i think it'd be very very easy or relative, well, Anna, re- relatively Anna wasn't it that was the maid. yeah but it was it, i think it would be relatively simple to just make two more mystery movies starring daniel craig as that character that's no, no problem and i'm sure they'll be fun mm. but i just don't know if it'll have the same quality and the same depth as the first one but i have enormous respect for ryan johnson as a filmmaker and as a writer so you know never say never Uh, i mean i I, the thing right so the thing with this movie is and you've got to you've got to understand knives out was financially one of the last smash hits before you know the the pandemic properly hit i mean the budget was 40 million it made over 312 million uh, dollars not bad you know it's like it's like it's a mental smash What happened hit. to boycotting this movie, Star Wars fans? Yeah, exactly. What, what, I think what they happened wanted to, to that? So they did. They wanted to boycott it. But this is the thing, right? They've bought, they've bought the two sequels for $400 million. But based on that return, I mean, you're going to be pumping more money in. They're going to get more writers. The star power. You can only imagine what the star power is going to be for these next yeah, two yeah, movies absolutely. as well. You know, like if you, if you they already back, had, They already oh, had what you'd describe Chris as Chris Evans, guns. Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Lakeith Stanfield, who is without doubt one of the best young yeah. actors at the moment. If yeah. you've, have Bloody you seen Christopher Plummer? Christopher Plummer. Oh, mate. Have you Jeez. seen Have you seen Sorry to Bother You? It's um, it's the Boots Riley film that's based. It's on Netflix at the moment. It's with Tessa Thompson. You should definitely, definitely watch it. It's on. I believe it's on Prime or oh, okay. no, it's on. It's on Netflix. It's uh, it takes a turn. Um, but basically, yeah, Danny Glover as well in it. But it's it, you're right. The star power in the first one was amazing, and I'm sure, you know, they'll in some way replicate it. A la oh, it's part, it's part of the formula. You know, I, when I was when I was reading about this, Ryan Johnson was basically saying, yeah, well, basically the formula is going to be. Daniel Craig solves a solves a mystery with a star-studded cast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Featuring exactly. a star That is that is the charm, and that's what's going to happen. So it, it's it's then down to, yeah, but is it is it going to be like that interesting? Because he because he's basically setting himself up to be the new Agatha Christie. That's what he wants, and that's the fun that he's trying to have. Absolutely, and mate, it's making it makes sense, right? If you look to Kenneth Branagh, we we had uh, Death on the Orient Express or Murder on the Orient Express. Sorry, yeah. look at the star studded. Yeah, so we had the star studded yeah. cast from that first one. You know, we had we had your Daisy Ridleys that were that were coming in. This new one, the stars. We've got Arnie Hammer. We've got Gal Gadot. We've got uh, Rose Leslie. Great to see her back. Latita Wright, um, Russell Brands in the new one, which I'm excited to see what what that looks like. Um, but but yeah, I think these these murder mysteries they're in, mate. They're back in. Yeah, we're in. It's fun. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. All we need now is a Columbo 
Who else? Who oh else? God, Columbo. We, did a, we could get a Columbo remake. What other famous detectives could we, we've done? Sherlock's done to death. In fact, Sherlock is probably one of the most cast fictional characters of all time, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, he. I think. I think he actually. So we're is. done with that one. We're done with that one. I think we, we really, had this conversation actually... on the show before. No, we have. I brought. Oh, we it, have. I brought it up before. Oh yeah, you did. But... <laughs> I was about, I'm telling you knowledge that you've already told yeah, me. I'm sorry. You do that all the time. I don't know who you. I don't know. John who you Williams know is a good composer, Alex. You heard him before. Have you heard? Let of me John list Williams? them off. Hundred <laughs> percent. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? Mate, it's a great yeah, one. yeah, that was John classic. Williams. That was great. Mate, no, we're... do you know? Do you know who I think uh, is one of the best on-screen detectives? Mm-hmm. Batman. Ah, justice. Which one? The new Any one. of them. Any of them. He's a bloody good detective. He's he a bloody good stuff. detective. And speaking of money. DC superhero movies, mm. Warner Brothers has cancelled a couple of movies. They have. That they is were, this, so, that they were the supposed trench. to be. So, yeah, James Wan's The Trench, which was a spinoff of... Aquaman, yeah, I believe. Aquaman. They had a big trench sequence that he was really... James Wan was really able to flex his horror horror, movie. Yeah, yeah. horror muscles because that's his very much his background but that's yeah. been shelved not cancelled but shelved okay along with sea shelves oh god <laughs> along with Ava Duver- everyone ever duverney's new gods which obviously the nude the new gods the nude are, gods the nude gods the nude... like zeus with his little willy out on a statue exactly very very little willy <laughs> if the greeks have taught us anything the new gods in the DC universe are the likes of Darkseid and mm. Co and all all that family. Darkseid and Co. Darkseid and Co. I don't know the rest of their names. <laughs> it's like a joiners, like a builders and joiners company. <laughs> yeah, like dark, 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 dark side about five. <laughs> something, something, something. Darkseid. Dark yeah, absolutely. But it's very, very interesting because. Obviously, those two movies were very much being formulated as part of the extended universe mm. of DC, which now, as we all know, is no more. Or is it? Because um, a representative from Warner Brothers DC also said that they are still going to try and formulate some sort of shared narrative that's the spirit in, dc and that, i was like oh you just keep trying keep trying they are doubling down on joss whedon's justice league as Fuck being me. canon yeah I know, and right? then they're gonna make shazam to black adam yes. with dwayne the rock johnson, johnson which yes. he can do no wrong yeah exactly Fucking love that man and that's gonna be that that's gonna continue to try and build their shared their shared universe and just i'm just lo- like oh this is exhausting it's painful to watch it but, really is but i almost love it because you're like a representative from w we don't know who this representative this could be the boy that cleans the toilets who's just like seen something in one of the bins and it's like continue the dceu question mark and he's just like leaked it to the press Absolutely. which is what you would do i mean you would 100 percent. and it's the only there, leaks that you're covering up in the toilets at we am that right toilet oh, yeah, boy 100 <laughs> percent. and all the rumblings around these movies at the moment, because obviously we got Zack Snyder's Justice League just a couple of weeks ago, so it's still quite a hot topic. Mm. But all the rumblings around the internet is are now, you know, hashtag restore the Snyderverse, yeah, exactly. as opposed to hashtag release the Snyder Cut, which, I'll be honest, I was a little bit indulgent, and I put a little hashtag uh, restore the Snyderverse on our 
recent Instagram post mm. promoting the Zack Snyder episode. And that well, was, that, why that was not? Just, that, was, that was just for me. Why not? Nobody ever when got in its room. For, yeah, nobody ever got jailed for putting a hashtag on. But what the conversations that are happening now, and I, I believe that we would be foolish to think that these conversations aren't happening, mm-hmm. are HBO trying to take the Snyderverse and say, look, we're in- we're interested in this, Warner Brothers, even if you're not, so please let us do this. Yeah. So well, these but- are all the rumblings. I mean, yeah. HBO haven't released a statement about these conversations. Warner Brothers definitely haven't released. The only thing they're saying is, no, Snyder's done. Like we're, yeah. We've done that. We're not doing it anymore. But there's all this chatter, and i got to think there's no smoke without fire. No, there's that. not. And, and I think as well, you, you we're missing out one of the key players here. I mean, let, let's be honest. One of the key players that really brought Zack Snyder's Justice League to life was AT&T who own I mean they own them all they own Warner Brothers they they own, yeah. they own all these studios so AT&T pushed for the Zack Snyder re- release actually and oh, they right. were the okay. ones who brought the scheduling forward yes yeah, so so there's a there is a power above yeah. the power you know there is a dark I, I side do, above the stepping oh, wolf there we go one. and I do think that that potentially is the solution and the middle ground Mm-hmm. that would kind of work for everyone because obviously the Snyder verse is an acquired taste it's not for everyone but that shouldn't mean that the people that do like it shouldn't get to see the continuation of that mm-hmm. so if HBO are willing to develop it and develop it without getting in the way of the WB yeah main releases yeah then fine why what not let, us, them, yeah. let why them do it hbo have the budget yeah and why why don't we get what we want for a bloody change do you know what i yeah. mean we, we're fat we're you know two white privileged we should get what we want we, it's we not should. fair it's we've the, never got what it's we want it's disgusting do you know what i mean it's just you know we're, we're we're here we're putting minimal effort at best into this so do you know what alex i feel, I feel yeah let's get get the more hashtags on it Hashtag, yep. hashtag, hashtag away. Just gonna make a post with full hashtags. You know, two white men from London. We we get what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> That's where we should be at. Oh man. Right, we what are we meeting for a beer now, are we? I think so. We can, yeah. we can meet in town now, can't we? Yeah, we can. Lures. Outdoors. Are we am I going to yours? Are you, why don't you come to mine? Tinny. I think I will, yeah. We'll, we'll go for a wander. Are we yeah, tinny? Get some but, tinnies. Well before we do that, I'm gonna look I'm gonna look at a little route for us to walk down, okay? Please a little do. a little stroll, if you will, a little pride and prejudice yeah. re- re- uh, reincarnate. What Wonderful. do they have to do now? What do they have to do now? Go onto the Apple Podcast app, if you please. Give us a cheeky little five-star rating and an even cheekier review if you wish. If you don't, you can tell us your favourite movie or your favourite movie soundtrack. We love to see any and all of it. You can also find us on Spotify and lots and lots of other platforms where you prefer to listen to your podcasts. Mm. If you want to get more directly in touch with the show, we also have an email address. Intimately. Mm. Yeah, very much. But we do have an email address, don't we, Callum? Motionspod at gmail.com. And send us through your requests. We love them. We we get quite a few through there. And I think we're gonna we're gonna go back to the emails pretty soon once this whole Oscar shenanigans is over. Yeah, because um, we think the Oscars are so important. You can also grab us on the gram. We're there for some fun conversations, pictures shared, and some controversial hashtags. Oh, don't 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 shoot the messenger, everyone. Mm-hmm. And once again, thank you very much to KTC Graphic Designs for our 
our wonderful artwork. And yeah, I think that's all. So next week we are still a little bit up in the air. We've, we've kind of fallen by the wayside by teasing it, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Well, well, when we're, basically, it, it's a statement of our preparation. When we know what we're doing next week, we will tease it. Yes, when we exactly. don't, we'll not. Will not tease. There you go. A little, uh, a little, little show of how it's done. Uh, but until until next week, we will speak to you soon. Thanks very much for listening. Bye now. All right, guys. Ta ta.